This is your public radio station in northwest and western Arkansas, southwest Missouri, and northeast Oklahoma for more than 37 years, KUAF 91.3 FM, and this is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. I'm Timothy Dennis. And I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. On today's show, I talk with Robin Jordan, founder of Her Set, Her Sound, a music festival dedicated to celebrating female and non-gender specific DJs and MCs about their return to Fayetteville for the second annual show this weekend. That's in about 12 minutes. Up first today, hemp CBD products are widely available over the counter, used by consumers to relieve pain, anxiety, and sleeplessness. A new hemp product called Delta 8 THC, which is reportedly psychoactive and intoxicating, is also a top seller. As Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports, Delta 8 is federally legal to sell and consume, but it could soon be outlawed in Arkansas. CBD, a popular natural compound made from hemp, is sold in retail stores and specialty shops, like this one in downtown Fayetteville. I'm Ludie Bowsman, and I am co-owner of American Shaman Kava Bar in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is part of the CBD American Shaman franchise system. American Shaman sells an array of CBD products, says co-owner Renago Farbiage, including Delta 8 THC. Uh, We have Delta-8 in uh, tinctures, uh, in a water-soluble tincture, uh, in gummies, in pre-rolls, in flour, and vapes. Delta-8 THC, or tetrahydrocannabinol, is one of over 100 cannabinoids produced by the cannabis sativa hemp plant in trace amounts. But unlike Delta-9 THC, the potent intoxicating compound naturally occurring in marijuana, Delta-8 THC, a synthetic hemp compound, causes a different high, Farbiage says. It's a very slow onset, it's very mild, and it gives you a very uplifting, uh, euphoric feeling. This bliss-inducing hemp-based substance is currently legal to purchase in Arkansas, including in vape and tobacco outlets and CBD retailers, like American Shaman. The majority of sales are uh, Delta-8 and related, other related alternative cannabinoids. Cannabinoids are a family of chemical compounds that bind to cannabinoid receptors in humans, Delta-HTHC. According to American Shaman literature, binds to cannabinoid G-protein-coupled receptor CB1 in the central nervous system, causing mild euphoria. Vince Sanders is founder of CBD American Shaman, a privately held company headquartered in Kansas City, Missouri. The cannabinoid itself is not what is psychoactive. It is opening a key, if you will, in your body, and then a host or a cascade of chemicals are made from your brain that are euphoric. Uh, Delta-8 is about half as psychoactive as Delta-9. Sanders says Delta-H-THC doesn't have the same side effects as Delta-9-THC from marijuana, which some say may cause anxiety and paranoia. So it's kind of a a milder, friendlier THC, if you will, and a lot of people prefer it. Extracting Delta-8-THC from hemp requires selective breeding, CO2 distillation, and molecular isolation called isomerization. So it's just a very simple process. We use uh, natural acids like ascorbic acid to lower the pH to a, a certain point, and then we use a series of heat, heating and cooling uh, and changing the pH, and that moves that double bond from one place to another. So it converts CBD into Delta-8, and that is known as an isomer. A bottle of Delta-8 tincture sold by American Shaman under the brand name Zen Master costs between $50 to $100. A small bag of gummies costs $15, and a vape pen around $40. Sanders says demand is high. Delta-8 and other isomers have, have gained enormous followings, and, and for good reasons. I mean, they, they offer a, a host of the same things that CBD does, but then you also have the psychoactive component. Um, it's just easy to obtain. It's inexpensive. It's extremely effective, and it has developed you know tens of millions of followers. Growing or possessing marijuana is federally outlawed in the U.S., a prohibition in place for decades 
although 39 states and the District of Columbia have legalized medical pot in recent years, 18 states currently allow for recreational use. But it wasn't until four years ago that USDA finally established a national and very strict regulatory framework for industrial hemp production, in part to compete with burgeoning international clothing, cosmetic, and nutraceutical hemp imports. A final rule was published in early 2021, going into effect in March, incorporating public comment and lessons learned during the first ever hemp growing season in 2020, which was chaotic, says Jim Carell. He's a distinguished professor of plant pathology at the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture in Fayetteville, focused on spinach and rice farming in Arkansas, as well as national industrial cannabis research. In 2019, about 120,000 acres of hemp were grown in the United States. About 25,000 supplied the entire CBD market. So there's a glut. So what started off a lot of growers, some growers are making a little bit of money, some growers are not. So the number of growers, at least in Arkansas, has shrunk. The Arkansas Department of Agriculture's hemp program oversees the licensing and monitoring of industrial hemp farms across the state. Hemp remains illegal to grow in private gardens and farms because under certain climate and soil conditions, hemp crops can produce illegal amounts of THC. Nearly 50 Arkansas growers last year were licensed to farm industrial hemp. This year, only 18 are registered, including three in northwest Arkansas. Seven hemp processors are also licensed, down from 10, including one in Washington County. Hannah Zima is a graduate research assistant in the UA Entomology and Plant Pathology Department focused on industrial hemp diseases and best cultivation practices. I mean, it just depends on what you're after. If you want fiber, you know, you would grow that outside. Uh, Seed, flower, maybe probably more inside referring to constructed climate and security-controlled cultivation facilities also now used to legally grow medical marijuana in Arkansas. Consumer demand for Delta-8 could boost industrial hemp farming in Arkansas, but growers are compelled to strictly control for THC levels in crops, which, if too high, must be destroyed. Again, Jim Carell. Well, it's interesting in that when you if you consider marijuana above 0.3 and hemp below 0.3% THC, when you're doing the breeding, you could either breed for high THC levels or low. And the problem with Delta-8 is if you're trying to breed for low levels, but you want high levels of Delta-8, which are legal, it's from a breeding standpoint, it's very challenging. Challenges traced to marijuana being federally outlawed and hemp cultivation strictly controlled by the Fed for now. During the 2021 General Assembly, the Arkansas legislature amended the state's industrial hemp laws to align with final federal farm bill regulations. State Representative David Hillman, Republican District 13 Elmira, authored and passed several state hemp agriculture bills, including the most recent HB 1640. Uh, a lot of the farmers are growing hemp uh, for the fiber in it. Uh, we've just got a, a new company this year over around Hot Springs uh, that's going to grow hemp for fiber to put in insulation and windows and things like that. But the real emphasis is on the CBD oil. Uh, That's what everybody wants to talk about. Everybody thinks that's where the money is. But Hillman, a leading Arkansas hemp farming advocate, says he failed to take Delta 8 into account. At the time that we changed the update the bill to uh, comply with the farm bill, uh, uh, Delta 8 was not on our radar screen. It wasn't on my radar screen. Previously, an Arkansas Department of Health code defined THC to be a dangerous, federally scheduled for drug. But since last July, when Hillman's bill went into effect, in alignment with federal hemp law, Delta 8 became legal to possess and sell in Arkansas. The law, uh, what I sponsored, does not really address the Delta-8 problem or whether Delta-8 is legal in Arkansas or not. So that's something we're going to do in this next session in January. 
On May 19th, the California Court of Appeals ruled products that contain hemp cannabinoids, including Delta 8 THC, are legal under the 28 Farm Bill. Preceding that rule, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for the first time issued warning letters to five companies for selling products labeled as containing Delta 8 tetrahydrocannabinol in ways that violate federal law. FDA also warned Delta-8 has never been evaluated or approved, so possesses unknown health risks to consumers. Late last year, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency clarified that cannabinoids extracted from cannabis plants containing less than 0.3% Delta-9 THC concentrations meet the definition of hemp, thus are not subject to the Federal Controlled Substances Act. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. A half dozen swim beaches and campgrounds on Beaver Lake remain closed this week because of high levels of E. coli and debris caused by recent flooding rains. Jay Woods is public affairs specialist with the Little Rock District of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. You know, uh, uh, limbs and logs and uh, also there are, you know, picnic tables and and grills that are underwater. According to test data from the Arkansas Department of Health, Beaver Dam Site Beach and Dam Site Island Swim Beach are closed because of E. coli. Rocky Branch Campground, War Eagle, Hickory Creek, and Lost Bridge South Swim Beaches are closed because of flooded facilities. E. coli is a microbe indicating fecal contamination from warm-blooded animals. It can be traced to human wastewater from municipal treatment facilities and septic tanks. Another culprit can be wild animals, such as feral swine, which is an invasive species that is spreading across the watershed. Woods says wild geese inhabiting certain swim beaches on Beaver Lake can also foul water quality. The E. coli, you know, a lot of times it has to do with the geese. People feed them and they keep hanging around the beaches and stuff. So, you know, you have your geese waste so that uh, whenever they come in and check for E. coli, uh, the number's high. Arkansas Department of Health Swim Beach Program specialists routinely monitor water quality at 140 official swim beach sites. In an email for this report, spokesperson Danielle McNeil says the agency tests for turbidity, chemicals, and bacteria that could impair human health. In this case, they found E. coli that exceeded 126 parts per 100 milliliters of water over two consecutive days. Key symptoms of E. coli infection include severe bloody diarrhea and abdominal cramps. The National Weather Service is forecasting rain over the next several days, which could aggravate conditions at Beaver Lake recreational sites. For updates, you can check the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Little Rock office on Facebook and the Arkansas Department of Health Swim Beach Program website. This is Ozarks at Large. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, Northwest Arkansas Retirement Community, catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being, amenities and living options, from apartments to village homes, plus on-site fitness facilities are available. ButterfieldTrailVillage.org for information. This is Ozarks at Large. This weekend, Herset Hersound will debut their 2022 show at Prairie Street Live. The festival is dedicated to celebrating female and gender nonspecific DJs and femcs. I spoke to Robin Jordan, the festival's founder, about what inspired the festival, and I also talked to three Herset Hersound performers, DJ Soul Free, Missy Midwest, and Villain, about what audiences can expect to hear at the show. It began from a pitch that I sent to uh, this uh, digital media platform called Arkansas Soul. Um, It is a platform that covers black and brown voices in Arkansas. And I was like, okay, let me finally, like, use my journalism degree. I'm going to pitch this story. I know a couple female DJs. At the time, I'm like, female DJs learn, like, we need to be saying other things. But um, I pitched this story about them in northwest Arkansas, just seeing that, like, the same DJs were getting all of the the highlights and the noise and all of the gigs, and that's cool and everything, but, like, I just want to see something different. And so after, like, interviewing, like, Villain, like, DJ Dribbles and DJ Girlfriend and DJ Raquel, I'm like, they are usually the only gender of theirs that is on a lineup or performing with other artists. They're usually the only woman or the only non-binary person that's performing. It it just really made sense to create all of this hoopla around her. 
Um, and so, yeah, it became a festival now platform that's really wanting to promote and produce events that center her, that amplify her, and that really, like, liberates her. Yeah, and this was circa when? When did you? Last year. Last during year. the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a wild idea to think about in June of 2021. We're in 2022 right now, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So we are. we are about to hit our one year in a couple in a couple weeks. How does that feel? It's I mean. really weird. <laughs> it's really weird. But also like I have to like realize that I have so much I know that I have so much to learn and as much as I want to be like we're like we're doing it right. Like I'm like I I be challenged like my faith and just like trusting that things are working out and like also knowing that like you know this is kind of like a baby that's like for everybody, you know what I'm saying? But it's still the baby where you just want it to like make sure it's like eating and like protected and like you know everyone like is gentle with it. And so <laughs> yeah, um but it, it feels weird, and it also feels great to, like, know more DJs and know more music artists who want to take the stage, who could use the stage, and also who could use the opportunity to, like, organize themselves or have more support organizing what they want to do. Like, it's really, it's really uh, a lot, but it's a good amount of a lot with the right people, with the right people, and that's the key. You know, like-minded, light-working, like, and they're eager. They're eager and they're, like, they're ready to, like, be better. Like, we're not coming in at, like, oh, yeah, we, I mean, except for Soul Free. She's been doing this for a couple decades. But, like, we're not coming in here, like, okay, like, we're, we're number one, even though we will be. You hear that? Uh, but, yeah, we just, we just got a lot of work to do, and it's fun. It's getting, getting better. For the DJs, um, for you all that have performed, I mean, what surprised you about your set last year? What was kind of the feeling? What was the experience like as compared to maybe some sets that you've done like before her set, her sound? Um, I think for me, it was, I don't know. It's just like my music is very niche. And so it was just really great to see a crowd of people that I wouldn't normally see at like the club I play at you know, vibing to my set. Um, I was honestly, like, kind of scared because I play a lot of, like, UK-based music, like drum and bass, techno, um, like, deep dub 140, and it's not the cup of tea for everyone. So I was a little bit nervous, but, I mean, it was fun. It was a cool experience, um, and it was just really great to see, like, the community support. She rocked the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's this little girl that came on stage and was just like getting it. (laughs) Yeah, what I was most impressed with is the support. I mean, the place was packed and the energy was so hype and and it was so fun and inspiring and uplifting and everything that we really wanted it to be. And I was just so impressed with Robin, too, and her promotional skills and the way she got all of us together. I really didn't know any other girl DJs, you know, really. Uh, she really brought us together, and, and that gave me even some, like, uh, fresh inspiration. So I was really excited about it, and, um, you know, I respect her, and I'm on board to support this endeavor, you know. Um, I love it. Yes. What are you most looking forward to this year now that you've experienced it? You know, we've been through one cycle. Here's the next 2022, what are the feelings going into this? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I think uh, I'm excited because we've got like double the artist that we had last time. So, and it's over a two day uh, event, uh, you know, stretch now. So I'm excited about that. And I think the buzz is getting out there and, you know, we're just getting better and better. It's just going to be even a hotter show this year. Villain, any. Any feelings going into this year? Um, I don't know. I'm just excited. Uh, And I get to play a a different role apart from just a DJ this time. So I'll be doing like an activation. Um, So that'll be cool. I'm going to start working with Robin. So I'll be doing more stuff with her set, her sound, apart from being a DJ. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also just excited to see like the support grow. Um, I think it is going to be bigger 
and better this year. Like Robin said, you know, get a little better every time. So I'm excited to see like how this time it differs from the last, especially it being over two days. Like that's different. Last year we only did one day. Jordan. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) As someone who hasn't been a part of the, I mean, how does it feel to be a part of a lineup that's so unique like Her Set, Her Sound? And if you've done other shows in the past, I mean, what are you looking forward to? Um, It's, it feels great. I'm really enthusiastic. And hearing you talk about it really makes me excited to go and play. Um, But it's not just unique, it's important. And um, Her Set, Her Sound is giving new artists like me, as well as underrepresented artists, the stage time and the audience exposure that we've worked really hard for. So um, yeah, I think it's going to create a really nice ripple effect in the community, really positive effect. And how does it compare? It compares. Um, There is, in the best way, there is a scene in central Arkansas that is, like, doing a big push for the electronic music scene to come through. Mm -hmm. So we're supporting local businesses. We're doing community-centered events. It feels very similar. I hope to connect the two worlds in the future. So um, there's just a lot of exciting stuff going on in the music scene. And there's so many dynamics, not just like the audience and the festival that's geared towards being a more inclusive environment, but the working environment, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Who's who's promoting you? Who are you working with? Who are you in touch with? How does that, for whoever wants to take it, how has that differed um, compared to, you know, DJing, which is a very male, male mm-hmm. like dominated environment? Mm-hmm. What is that like? It has, is it different? Can I say so? Um, yeah, it, it's um, it's different. <laughs> um, I feel taken care of. I feel cared about. I feel like I matter. I've definitely played a show in central Arkansas. I'm a new artist, so this is all new. But, yeah, I've played a show, ran by just different people. And, yeah, you just don't feel like you have somebody to answer your questions, you know, because I got questions and I want to ask them. And the only way we're all going to get better is if we ask. So I will say that much. Yeah. Now let's, let's switch over. Do you? I feel, so I think it's awesome that like, this is like a women and non-binary centered um, event, but I also have a different experience because I started DJing with all like my male friends. And so they've really like, They've been the ones that pushed me to, like, help me get, like, be on lineups at our club or be on lineups for festivals or different events. So, um, but it's really, I think it's really awesome to have, like, this other experience where, like, I'm not just one of, like, 30 dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, like, all women and, um, you know, non-gender-specific uh, people playing. Then you know, that does tend to be an underrepresented um, group, uh, you know, is this just for women? Is mm-hmm. this just for for people who are non-binary? So um, I like to say that we center him so much. We're just gonna center her. You know, this is for her and hers. At one point in your life, you were hers. Whether you were her son, her brother, her uncle, her cousin, and so you know, it's for us, but. We're, the, we're organizers. We're creatives. We have strategies. We're facilitators. We're not just DJs. We're not just, like, people that you put on the stage. We're people that can organize, organize and curate behind the stage. And so, for, um, but, you know, it's been a challenge for me. But to hear from so many women who look like me or who identify with me, Say I'm here to support you. I, I've got your back, and to know that I that we're doing like I'm doing it, but we're doing it for each other. Like in in like the root and the foundation of this is like mutuality and knowing that like you know everything isn't so transactional, but like. I want to gain, I want to give, I want you to be better. You want me to be better too? Oh my God, we're a team. You know, like I love teamwork. I love camaraderie. I love fellowship. And I, I think that we deserve that around other things that like, you know, doesn't really center motherhood. Like doesn't really center, you know, 
you know, yeah, we have family. Some of us are mothers, but like this is about our skills and our stories and like, you know, sharing that with one with each other, but also, you know, showing each other and everyone else like, yeah, we're we can do this, too. And we want to work with you. We want to work with you. But are you going to advocate for her? Like, are you going to stand up? and challenge standards when she is harmed or when they, you know, when their feelings are hurt, you know, like I'm, I'm very much in my feelings. I am a Scorpio. And so, you know, people, you know, villain, she's a different one. She, they, they're a different type of Scorpio. Mm-hmm. I be in my feelings too. Don't listen. To <laughs> but her name's villain. You know I'm like, actually like, not that evil <laughs> just because it's, her center doesn't mean it's to his demise. I've had to field a lot of that, like, because I also have the guy group, you know, and have been a part of the guy group, and they're all like, well, like, am I invited? And I say, <laughs> you know, it's her centered, not to his demise. Okay. So if you about that life, like, come on, come we're gonna on. work at a party. Mm-hmm. You know? Come on. So, I've, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, uh, what about his set, his sound? I'm like, it's always his set. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> always. You don't even name it then. <laughs> Robin, if you and I talk in five years um, about her set, her sound, what do you hope we'll be talking about? Nationwide, her her sound. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't want to give them everything, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but five years from now, um, I do hope that we'll have several her set, her sounds, not only in Northwest Arkansas, but beyond. Um, I want this to be a collective that has other events and experiences that are being pumped out that may just be more of a collaboration. Like, I want to be able to support others more, her set, her sound, support more hers to do their thing, to see and to be the the change and the impact that they, they want all over. Like, I want this bigger than Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. A couple hundred thou, you know, <laughs> coming through. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, music, art, and entertainment are so mm-hmm. important right now because we're so, in a, such a polarizing environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is a, a, the time to shine it bright right mm-hmm. now. So we can bring people together back through music. It's real important. I spoke with artists DJ Soul Free, Missy Midwest Villain, and Robin Jordan, founder of Her Set, Her Sound, in the Furman Garner Performance Studio last week. Her Set, Her Sound will be at Prairie Street Live in Fayetteville this Friday and Saturday. Tickets are available at hersethersound.com. KUAF is with you every day, all year long, bringing you vitally important news, plus the music, conversations, and weekend programs to give you a break from the news that can be overwhelming. As we approach the end of our financial year, June 30th, we're raising funds to keep KUAF stronger than ever. Your gift before June 30th will help us toward our goal of $50,000. Your donation right now helps pay for the programs, reporting, equipment, and technology that we need to continue bringing you radio you rely on every day. Donate now and your gift will be matched dollar for dollar up to $2,500 by Betty Sessions of Prairie Grove. Join Betty, support your public radio station today, and help us end our financial year as strong as ever. Give online at supportkuaf.com or mail a check to KUAF at 9 South School, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72701. Thank you. This is Ozarks at Large. Symphonies often host guest artists for concerts. Guests might travel across time zones or oceans to play a specific work with the symphony. It's a great way for local audiences to experience a musician they otherwise would not be able to hear live. But what if something goes wrong with travel or health? That's exactly what happened earlier this year when the guest pianist for an Arkansas Philharmonic Orchestra concert tested positive for COVID-19 mere hours before he was scheduled to perform Rhapsody in Blue with the APO. As Stephen Bias, conductor, and Christy Olewski, emergency pianist, recently told Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellums, it was one more chance to do a pandemic-related pivot. This was Wednesday afternoon, a matter of hours before the Wednesday evening 
rehearsal and we really scratched our heads about what to do. I, I knew several soloists with whom I had worked before over the past 10 years who played the Gershwin Rhapsody in Blue. I spoke to them and it was just impossible to arrange to get them to town in time. There just was, I, we were literally just a matter of hours before this, the second and final rehearsal. So we agreed to take it off the program when Chris Shear, a percussionist in the Arkansas Philharmonic, said, well, what about Christine Olevsky? And suddenly all of us is one of those heads slamming, oh my goodness, why didn't we think of that? Well, I wonder if Christy plays the, the Gershwin. She plays everything else and she plays everything else well. So let's, let's call her. I believe that Chris and uh, Jason Miller, the executive director of the Arkansas Philharmonic, called her at 6.25 p.m. Christy calls, I, I guess I called Christy at 6.25. Yeah, you called me. I was in the middle of a lesson and you called me because Chris Shear had messaged me and I was like, man, I think I know about 90% of that piece. I hadn't played it since I was 14 years old. I had played it with St. Louis Symphony when I was 14. So that's 21 years ago. But I said, I think I... I think I know it. I think I know it. And so Stephen called me and he uh, was talking about how they were, they needed someone to just come in last minute and do it. Even now my heartbeat is uh, picking up as I'm reliving the story myself. <laughs> exactly. Well, so, well, well, Christy, I called Christy at 625 and she said, well, I, I haven't played this in 21 years, but let me download the music from the internet and I'll call you back at 653. Seven minutes before we began rehearsal, she said, you know, I think I can do it. Okay, I will jumble rehearsal order because we were scheduled to start with Gershwin. We'll do it last on the rehearsal. Get here when you can. And I think around 8.30, Christy came to the Performing Arts Center there in Bendonville at the Thaden School. And we sat down and went through the concerto. It was obvious that she, 21 years, had done nothing to her muscle memory and her wonderful skills. And so we went and rehearsed with the orchestra. And I'll let Christy tell you about her own uh, thoughts, experiences, and emotions in that. But she was cool as a cucumber and just absolutely dumbfounded the entire orchestra, the conductor included. I want to hear about this because it's a very familiar tune, which is perhaps good but perhaps yes. not. So tell me about yes. this. So it's very, so flattering what Stephen just said. Um, so I called him and I was like, you know, I think I can do this 15 minutes. I, I ran through it and I was like, I can do it. So I sent my students home and in an hour, <laughs> it was at 7 PM. I teach privately in near, uh, near the Thane school where they were rehearsing. And so I sent my students home and I spent an hour just relearning it. And I knew that there were just three parts. I knew most of it I could just play, but there were three parts I really had to focus on. And so I focused on those three, those three sections. And it was just, I'm still not sure why I said yes to doing it. <laughs> I'm very glad I did. I'm glad, I'm glad I did that, but you know, it was just very emotional. I hadn't played that piece with an orchestra in 21 years. I hadn't played with an orchestra itself in 17 years. This is not what I do. I'm not a soloist. This is, I gave that up when I was 18 years old and I swore I would never do it again. And I just, it just seemed so right. So what is it like then when the baton goes up, the piece is starting. You haven't been with an orchestra in 17 years. Adrenaline? Or are you just, you know, Oh, there was a lot of adrenaline. I'm glad I remained. I appeared calm. That's good. <laughs> That's very. That's helpful. right. We're always the uh, the very calm uh, uh, birds on the surface, paddling like mad underneath the surface. Yes. yes. And uh, but I knew it, and it was just such an unsupportive environment as well. I don't think there would have been any other orchestra I would have felt comfortable saying yes that quickly to because I've known Stephen for so long and he's always been so supportive and the you know the orchestra is full of professors that I knew when I did my undergrad and some of my best friends playing that ensemble. So it was, I knew I was going to get up there with moral support backing me. Christy, I'm imagining you have a red phone, like in the old Batman television show, this emergency phone. <laughs> Steven had the, the hotline number and you picked it up. I know this isn't what happened, but this is what I want to think happened. And you said, I'll be ready in nine minutes. That's how it felt. <laughs> it felt like, it, it just felt so absolutely crazy. And, but there's, the piece is just, it's 
that piece is so audacious in and of itself and it's so exciting and it's so energetic. So I guess the mood of just doing it on such a quick turnaround kind of fit. All right. So what is next for Stephen? What is next for Christy? What's next for the APO? Christy, what are the multitude of things that they're coming up for you? Well, right now I am in Huntsville, Alabama, and I'm about to accompany, I think, 32 brass players this afternoon. And um, But actually this summer, my husband, he runs a competitive British brass band, and we had already had it on the docket for me to play Rhapsody in Blue with them this summer on a little tour that they're doing of Northwest Arkansas. So stay tuned for that information. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and I am I I left uh, Arkansas just a few days ago to come to Mississippi for some concerts with the Dr. Eugene Kong, who teaches at the University of Arkansas, to play the Florence Price Violin Concerto down here, and then I'm off to uh, Oregon for a couple of concerts with a wonderful cellist named Rainer Eudicus, uh, who's recently appointed principal cellist of the San Francisco Symphony, and. Um, then I'm back into Arkansas in July, always planting and plotting. And I, oh my goodness, uh, this concert, I, I'll say one more thing about the concert. It was of all American music, South American and um, North American. And the Gershwin, the Gershwin is, is an exotic clunky piece. And again, Christy played it and made it seem like it made all the sense in the world. Sometimes it can be disjointed and seem like an episodic thing that doesn't really connect that well, a cumbersome, not so when Christy performed it. But we did a piece by Jesse Montgomery, a young black female composer who's now the composer in residence with the Chicago Symphony, uh, who's following in that trail of Florence Prize, but that was about the Star Spangled Banner and about people and uh, the various voices. And then the Variaciones Concertantes of the Argentinian composer Alberto Ginastera, which was also about folk materials. There was something about people and community and coming together and somehow this element of having Christy come in, who is a local pianist, who is also connected to the community. And of course, lots of people turned out to see her do this. Uh, on moment's notice. And it was something very uh, reassuring and reaffirming about that. And um, it, it speaks well in my eyes of Northwest Arkansas, of the way that people rally for someone to be able to do something like this. But um, I, I, what a thrilling experience. And I said, I said to Christy last week, this is one of those stories that has moved to the top of my list that I'm going to be telling for the rest of my life. And uh, hopefully we don't encounter a soloist who has to cancel last minute again, very often. But if we do, I'll have Christy Olevsky on speed dial on her yeah. red phone. Yeah, get that red phone, Christy. <laughs> I will. Christy Olevsky and Stephen Bias spoke with Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellums via Zoom earlier this month. This is Ozarks at Large. The Lunch Hour, KUAF's monthly concert series, returns June 10th with a performance by Honey Collective and food from Cafe Rue Orleans. Doors open at noon and music begins at 1220. Space is limited. Registration and more information at KUAF.com. The Lunch Hour is sponsored by George's Majestic Lounge Happy Hour Concerts, a Fayetteville tradition for over 40 years. More at George'sLive.com. KUAF is giving away two tickets to Steely Dan with Snarky Puppy on their Earth After Hours Tour, Friday, June 10th at 7.30 p.m. Well known for their top 40 hits, Do It Again, Ricky Don't Lose That Number, Hey 19, Steely Dan returns to the Walmart Amp with their unique fusion of jazz rock. The winner will be announced on Friday, June 10th during the noon edition of Ozarks at Large. KUAF.com for more information and to enter to win. This is Ozarks at Large, and I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Student-run radio station KXUA 88.3 at the University of Arkansas is committed to bringing new and eclectic music to listeners that fit somewhere not in the ordinary. Last week, I asked KXUA's general manager, Sophia Norani, and music director, Lydia Fletcher, about the process behind picking music for the station and what topics they have for us this week. So on the page, on the KXUA page, there's mention of like an eclectic vibe for the station. Yes. What does that mean? And like, how do we see that in the station and in the programming? I think we coined that pretty early on. I think it's just sort of 
the best word to describe the variety of music that we have at the station. Since every DJ sort of, I mean, every DJ is different, a different person. They all have their different tastes in music, and that brings something different to the table each day. And with our music directors, Beth and Lydia, they uh, talk to promoters regularly and pick from a really big variety of um, music from the NACC charts and, and promoters. So, yeah, just a very eclectic. It just really it describes it well. Yeah, I think like with that, one of my goals whenever I'm reviewing music is I try to think about, okay, is what what other radio stations are going to play this? And I prefer to think that none. Well, not none in general of, oh, it's not good music, but like we want to provide something different for Northwest Arkansas and like our worldwide listeners. We want to make sure we're bringing them new music. And so... That's what's really amazing about being a music director is that we get direct exposure to like new releases before they're even on streaming platforms. Like, I remember this was one we didn't add, but like we got sent Drake's latest album about a week early, and I was like, okay, this definitely doesn't fit our vibe because he is top 40, but like, that's really cool. They trust us with that. But like, music I have been liking there's so many but there's this one new artist um they're called C Lemon S-E-A um for C Lemon and they're very like dream pop kind of if you know the band Always they're very just like singer songwriter dream pop very kind of pulls on that 90s aesthetic that I love and they released a debut EP that got sent to us and I was like this is phenomenal added the entire thing to the station which is honestly rare for an album we'll usually only pull maybe four to five tracks we like so getting an entire EP added to the station is like a big accomplishment and that's something that I forgot to mention the top 40 under 40 years or in the past 40 years we have this sort of rule at the station where DJs are instructed to not play the top 40 songs in the past top 40 years to sort of keep that eclectic sort of sound and, um, you know, make sure that we're not playing something that you'd hear on any other radio station. So that's, yeah, that's something I I was about to ask. What are the rules or (laughs) what are the factors that you consider when choosing new music? It's also about radio friendliness. You know, not everyone loves a six minute track. You know, you got to be a special kind of person. I definitely am that person. Like, personal music taste wise but usually if a song is over five minutes it's got to be really something special um so kind of that two to four minute song range and then is there going to be some random guitar breakdown that's really painfully noisy you know like we have to think about like all the kind of intricacies of like the volume dynamic because you don't want to have something so quiet and then obviously with our shuffle system like the next song could be pretty loud we don't want to hurt someone's eardrums we don't want to like do things like that and then we want to have some name familiarity so like Julia Jacqueline released a single called Lydia Wears a Cross and I'm like okay it has my name in it of course I'm gonna add it to the station but she's also one of my favorite artists and so I was like people know Julia Jacqueline people know Phoebe Bridgers we've got like the Wombats on rotation and we have Pink Panthers as well on our heavy rotation that plays pretty frequently and that's that's pretty popular yeah on on social media with the youth at the moment. The so. youth. The youth, which I, I guess, I guess we are. I guess the we youth. are the youth. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. It's, so, how does know. this differ from your shows? And if you can like talk a little bit about the process of making those shows. Yeah. So my show um, for the past two, well, for the past like one and a half years, I had a show called Altaholics Anonymous, and it was all Love that name. alt rock, punk, very much the heavier stuff that probably would be a little too heavy for regular rotation so I definitely leaned into that and then um, my new show is like a two-hour exclusively new music only stuff that's released in the past two months and so I'm kind of some of it may be from artists we have on rotation but I'm really trying to stray from that so that I can give new new artists especially like debuts some um, radio play so curating that is definitely a lot of social media looking for announcements looking for is someone coming on tour near here is there a new EP or album coming up like you have to stay in the know with things so it's really cool getting to shape an entire show around that 
took the words out of my mouth. Is this an all-consuming role? Are you always looking for music, or does it just kind of fall in your lap? And you know, hey, we should play this. Or yeah. So I think that that's the that's a great thing about KXUA is that you can sort of do either. For one thing, we have a lot of DJs that put a lot of of great effort into their shows and make it into something super special. But at the same time, if we are still students at the end of the day. So if there's a if there's a week where a student just wants to put together music that they enjoy, that, albeit is FCC <laughs> appropriate, um, then then that's okay to do as well. It's really just expressing yourself um, wherever it feels appropriate. Because Lydia, she has a great show. I <laughs> I'm not as as put together. I've um, I've I have a show called Mixed Bag that I really just do whatever I'm, I'm listening to in the moment, whatever I um, feel like talking about. Sometimes I have friends on and we just talk about music. So it can really be um, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, that's like, I, I feel like I'm pretty structured in it because that helps me organize it, you know, because I'm very And it's great. Much, I wish I could be. Honestly, I love it. But then some weeks I definitely, I went to a new music show because I realized with my alt show, it was hard to like, add stuff that was outside of alt music to it because I love like I actually really love folk music I like some of the more R&B leaning stuff and so now it's like my show is called Fresh Finds so like as long as it's new music I can just play it and it's FCC clean and you know fits station rules and so that's really fun and then we've got some DJs who do pretty like hyper specific theme shows or like deep cuts where mm-hmm. it's stuff by artists you know but maybe not a song you know and so seeing like how creative everyone is with their shows and getting to have the opportunity to like express that is really cool. Lydia, what topics do you have from uh, for us from oh the last gosh. couple weeks? Is there? Like, I'm definitely pulling up my playlist right now. So uh, the band Wilco is actually releasing their latest album, Cruel Country, tomorrow. And Wilco is definitely on the fringe of my taste, as I'm not the biggest country enjoyer. But like they lean folky. It's Wilco. Come on, you gotta like them. <laughs> um, and then. I've been listening to a lot of the Regrets latest album that came out. They're definitely more like kind of femme punk leaning. And then um, Mars Argo is back in the music space, which definitely makes me happy because uh, she's like kind of electronica leaning, definitely heavier synth vibes. And so she went out of the music scene, took everything off streaming platforms after like a legal battle with Poppy. And then now she's like releasing new stuff again. I was like, this is cool to see. Like there's so many intricacies within the music industry. And so seeing how that goes into how artists are releasing stuff is really cool. And like being a music director kind of gives me an inside look at that. Whenever I talk to promoters, they're like, hey, this is their first album in like eight years. And so you can like see kind of the changes within that or like there was one band called Young Prisms we got sent their album and they had been on a 16 year hiatus and then they made an album and it was one we added to the station it was really cool it was like kind of synthy dream pop which is definitely a lot of what I love Um, and so getting to hear about that from also the people who directly work with these artists rather than just being a kind of consumer of the music is a really unique perspective, I think. I spoke with music director Lydia Fletcher and general manager Sophie Narani from KXUA 88.3 last week in the Furman Garner Performance Studio. Here's a selection from one of Lydia's recent picks. This is Falling Apart Right Now by Wilco. Now don't you fall apart while I'm Falling apart Why don't you get in line Beyond the tears I'm crying I know our hearts Aren't very smart But you're gonna have to learn Learn when it isn't your turn Somehow This is Ozarks at Large. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. Happy to be joined by, for the first time, Claudine Stark, director of the Elkins Senior Activity and Wellness Center. Claudine, nice to meet you over the phone. 
Well, so nice to meet you over the phone. (laughs) Talk about some of the things that uh, you offer uh, seniors throughout Elkins and beyond. You know, I'm reading here that the center serves around 1,600 meals per month. That's a lot of meals. That's a lot of meals, and we're a very small center, so you can imagine it's a difficult task, but we make it happen. Our mission, uh, and all senior centers' uh, mission, is to basically keep elderly people you know, independent, contributing members of society. I mean, it's a twofold mission when it comes to Meals on Wheels. We have lots of consumers that they may be able to stay in their homes, but perhaps they can't uh, cook anymore. Maybe they forget to turn the stove off. It's also a check every day. Um, Some people uh, live alone, even if they're 90 years old. Some people have, uh, they live with their children, but maybe their children are at work all day. And so they're worried that they won't eat. Many seniors do forget to eat. So we're there to say, hey, here's your meal and hi, everything okay? And, uh, and if we do run into problems, then believe me, we do all the time, whether it's we find somebody who's had a stroke or a, somebody who's fallen or there are many different scenarios. We're the one that says, uh-oh, something's wrong here. Let's call. Claudine Stark, director of the Elkins Senior Activity and Wellness Center. Okay, the second annual A Taste of Elkins Area. This event scheduled June 4th. This is going to benefit all the programs that y'all offer, including nutrition, socialization, transportation. Talk about what's going to be uh, going on this day. I think um, up to eight different food establishments, right? This is the funnest event that I think that we have in Elkins. Uh, it is a fundraiser, of course, for our Milton Wilson Senior Center. And then we have uh, many food providers from all around the area, including places like Nellie B's, Boba's Asian Cafe, the Barbecue Place, mm. Tequila Grill, Creations by Cindy Harps, the Swalty Colonel, the, and the Elkins Senior Center. We also want people to see what our wonderful meals are about. And so it's a sampling. And while you're sampling, you also have the opportunity for a, a silent auction. And we have great live music. Uh, I know many people know Jim Mills, and he has agreed to come out. Steve Schrader, David Girl, they are fun and wonderful musicians. And it is the best $10 you will ever spend. You will come and you will get your belly full and you will get your heart full and you know that you did a good thing for your seniors in the community. A Taste of Elkins Area, June 4th. Uh, Claudine Stark, Director of the Elkins Senior Activity and Wellness Center. Thank you so much for describing uh, y'all's many services, but also for letting us know about this, as you said, what looks like going to be a fun day. All right. Thank you so much. Tickets will be available at the door, but you can pre-register by calling 479-643-2741 or elkinsar.org slash a taste of Elkins. There are also some t-shirts available, so if you can't make it out June 4th, you could benefit the Elkins Senior Activity and Wellness Center that way. The Community Spotlight and KUAF Public Radio. Your voice matters. Tomorrow on a Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large, I'll give you a preview of some of the live music you can see during the next several days. Leah Uribe will have another edition of Sound Perimeter, and Rachel Sanchez-Smith will speak with Arkansas Renters United about the rising costs of housing and difficult eviction processes. That's tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. on Ozarks at Large. This is 91.3 FM KUAF Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Bidville. 91.3 KUAF is a listener-supported service of the University of Arkansas. I'm Timothy Dennis. And I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. Contributors to today's program included Jacqueline Froelich and Kyle Kellums. The Community Spotlight is produced by Pete Harmon inside the Nancy Blair Operations Studio at KUAF. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah and is written and performed by Daryl Sean. His latest CD is titled Safe in Sound. Don't forget, you can always catch up on stories, interviews, or full episodes of Ozarks at Large at our website, ozarksatlarge.com. You can also take full episodes of our show with you wherever you go with the always free Ozarks at Large podcast. Just tell your smart speaker to play the Ozarks at Large podcast or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be with you tomorrow with another brand new Thursday edition of Ozarks at Large. Until then, be well, take care of yourself, get some rest, and have a great rest of your Wednesday.